Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. These sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. For more information and pricing, just visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. You know, for all of us who are involved in working this year, this 2020 year of hell, we probably are already stressed out enough. But if you happen to have workers in your organization that are nearing 65, they have stresses all different different than us and probably very unique to them. What do you do when you're getting close to retirement? You're worried about how to get Social Security going, how to get Medicare going. Well, fortunately, I have a guest today that's going to help us navigate that. Tom Wright is a financial advisor who created the Turning 65 Workshop and that provides much-needed Medicare and Social Security learning programs for the workplace, and that includes advanced training for HR and benefits teams, as well as doing workshops for individuals that are nearing that milestone. Tom is a great guy. I met him in a conference a couple of years ago. Glad to finally have him on the show, and he's really got such a great insight, and he even offers his projections on what's going to happen with Social Security in the future, so you definitely want to tune in. Let's quit talking about the man. Let's let him do the talking. You know what to do. Let's buckle up. Make sure the trade table's been wiped down. It's time for us to take off. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Tom Wright, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mac. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, could get together. We had a little bit of issues getting hooked up this morning, but it looks like we're all safe and sound. You are somewhere up north, aren't you? I am. I'm in Portland, Maine. Uh, you know, just visualize the uh, iconic lighthouses and fishing villages of the Maine coast and put me about three miles inland from that. And that's where I did. Just, just right outside of Portland. So you are, are you sort of in uh, Stephen King territory? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. Because <laughs> I think he's up there somewhere, right? It's uh, Bangor or somewhere up there. He is in Bangor, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I learned how to pronounce that correctly from somebody from Maine who scolded me and uh, yeah. made me sit to this long video on YouTube about how to properly pronounce Bangor, <laughs> Maine. But, but uh, you're in, you're in Portland. Oh, yes, you got it. Yeah, yeah. So the topic today is Social Security, Medicare, and the aging workforce. And just to kind of let the, the listeners know, you and I met at a HR Florida conference two years ago. We happened to run into each other in the speaker's lounge, and then we shot some photos together and put them on our social media, although I wasn't in the photos. I didn't want to be photoed that day. That's right. Maybe I look <laughs> fat. 
<laughs> but uh, but we stayed in touch. We were going to uh, try to do some stuff together, and I thought, let's just go ahead and and get on the show and do this. I believe this is a pretty relevant topic, and so I've got some questions I want to ask you. But before we get there, it probably would be useful to share your background with the listeners, just so they know you know a little bit about this topic. I would agree. I know a little bit about it, <laughs> just enough to be dangerous. No, <laughs> a little bit more than I do, that's for sure. <laughs> probably true, yeah. I, um, I was a financial advisor for over 35 years, specializing in employee benefits. So I had um, in, innumerable conversations in meeting rooms and cafeterias and living rooms of people's homes with older employees who were approaching retirement and really very uncertain about what they should be doing when it came to Social Security and in particular Medicare. Um, for those who were still working at age 65, this overlap of their group health coverage and Medicare was very daunting. And it didn't matter whether they were in the executive suite or whether they were on the maintenance staff. You know, every, everybody was equally confused. I mean, what am I supposed to do? How do I file? Is it automatic? And you know, all these kind of questions. And so in 2016, I retired, as it were, from my um, financial advisor role. And I started the Turning 65 workshop to bring basic consumer level education to the workplace. Uh, to bring it into the workplace where we were talking, I was talking to older employees who are approaching retirement, uh, and to give them some targeted practical advice about the topics that they really needed to focus on. There's so much messaging. These programs are massive, and there's all kinds of information out there, but to really direct them towards the specific information that they needed to make some of these important decisions, and at the same time, to, to help train uh, the HR and benefits professionals that work with them, who often are being pointed to uh, by financial advisors and financial writers who are saying, well, if you're unsure about this, talk to your HR person. They'll, they'll direct you. They'll tell you what to do. And of course, they're rolling their eyeballs going, oh, we don't even know. So I, I started doing a lot of training uh, with them to help, to help them uh, be prepared to navigate those um, those issues with their older employees. So what attracted you to this topic? Because if we were to talk about benefits, I mean, that goes across the board, but you're the first person I've ever run across that really specializes in this particular age group and demographic. Is there a particular reason that really stood out to you? Um, my own approaching age 60. <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of becoming more personal. Um, no, in all, all joking aside, um, I, that is actually part of it. When I was much younger, uh, Medicare and Social Security, um, you know, who, who cares? I mean, it's like, you know, I had to learn information about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily relevant. And so I, um, it, it was not a focal point or a priority for me. But as I've gotten older, and many of my friends and colleagues and so forth, people were starting to have to deal with this. And you realize how significantly important it is. I mean, Social Security and Medicare are the foundation of retirement in the United States. And people, as they start approaching their 60s, typically begin to dial in and focus on this in a way that they haven't before. And so, as I was said earlier, I would see this all the time. And I would see employees who were just really not sure at all what they were supposed to be doing, how to, how to make 
good, intelligent decisions about these programs. And I thought, well, there's a need and I know a little bit about it and I communicate fairly well and maybe I can maybe I can make a go of this and, and help some people at the same time. So that's that's kind of how it started. Do these programs change year to year? I mean, could you learn this once and it'd be good to go? Or is it something that changes all the time? It, it only changes around the margins. It doesn't change fundamentally. Um, so there, there are changes. There are more substantial changes that happen, but it's kind of like turning, you know, a, an oil tanker. You got it, It's going to take time. Uh, a good example of that is the Social Security full retirement age. Uh, years ago, when the program got started and through most of its history, the full retirement age for Social Security was age 65. And so someone, and that, that correlated with the Medicare eligibility age of age 65. Hence, I do, I do the turning 65 workshop, right? It's kind of our, our kind of um, definition of retirement in the United States. But Social Security in 1983 uh, came within a few months of, of bankruptcy. Um, president Reagan was president at the time. The Greenspan Commission issued a report. And in the summer of 83, um, the trust fund for retirement benefits was with, within four months of insolvent, well, not insolvency, but but being unable to meet its obligations. And so there were major changes that were put in. Uh, benefits became subject to income tax for the first time. The um, age for surviving children was scaled back and lowered. If you were a college student, you couldn't continue to get survivor benefits if you had a deceased parent. There were a number of changes, one of which was pushing out the full retirement age from age 65 to age 67. So that's the age at which you get your full benefit. If you take your benefit prior to full retirement age, it gets reduced. And we've gone through that first shift where it went from 65 to 66. And it's been at age 66 now for the better part of 20 years, I believe. But we are about to start a six-year progression starting in January, just two months from now, about, where it's going to move from 66 to 67 and that's going to be accomplished by adding two months to every year. Well, it's a little confusing, but it's, it's, going to get, it's going to get incrementally expanded. And when we get to the year 2027, which isn't as far as we might think, people born in 1960 or later, their full retirement age, the age at which they get their full benefits, will be 67, unlike the current 66. So that's a, an example of a fairly significant change that is being implemented over a number of years. And it was actually passed into law in 1983, and we're just starting to see the, the effects. Of it. I know this is what I hear from a lot of people, that they're worried that at some point they're going to hit retirement age and Social Security to be gone. I mean, have you heard that? And is that possible? Well, I hear that all the time. I, I wouldn't say I hear it all the time, but I do hear it not infrequently. And so... <laughs> I've also been hearing it for several decades and uh, it hasn't, you know, I, I think of conversations I had in the mid or late 1980s with people who were convinced social security was going to be broke, quote unquote, by the nineties. <laughs> well, they were wrong and it didn't, and they, if they based their planning on that, they've come to regret that decision. So it, it's kind of a familiar refrain that just keeps going from decade to decade. However, having said that, there are very unique and pressing challenges for which there are no um, readily observable solutions on the horizon. 
Well, there are solutions, but they're hard solutions, which in our current political climate, people don't want to make. And very specifically, um, the the uh, Social Security trustees each year release a report on the solvency projections for Social Security and Medicare. The report came out this year in April, and there was a big disclaimer at the at the start of the report that said these projections do not anticipate or do not include the impact of the current coronavirus pandemic. Oh, well, that's what everybody wants to know. And the Congressional Budget Office in September released a report that did make a solvency projection for Social Security and Medicare. And what they concluded was that because of the coronavirus pandemic, that Social Security is going to hit this tipping point where the revenues are only going to be adequate to cover 75% of the benefits three years earlier than the previous official projection. So it's now at 2031 is the year that we're going to only have 75% incoming revenue required to pay the the current level of benefits. Um, So that's just 11 years, we'll call it 10 years from now. Uh, So that's looming a lot closer, but there are even more pressing elements of these programs that are going to be under the gun sooner than that. The portion of the Social Security Trust Fund that pays disability benefits is going to come up against a similar problem in 2026. It's only five years away. And the so important to note that Medicare is actually part of Social Security. It's not an autonomous, independent program. It's actually the health insurance part of Social Security. And Medicare, the hospital trust fund that pays hospital benefits, is now projected to be um, underwater and unable to sustain the current level of benefits in 2024, just two years. That was previously 2026. Now, because of the pandemic, they're saying 2024, which is not that far away. So all of that is concerning. And there is no, there are only three ways that it can be addressed. Number one is to raise the payroll tax. People will scream about that. Cut the benefits. People will scream about that or just print more money, which people will you know, be okay with that, I guess. So, you know, the federal government- Dumb, dumb people would be great with that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's not talk about, you know, fiscal responsibility or anything, but we can just keep printing money. So um, how that will all play out, I don't know. But it's, it's this next decade, Mac, is going to be, is going to be, I think, a pretty wild one when it comes uh, in many ways, right? I mean, there's huge issues that we're all facing, but this is also going to be the decade where things are going to start to really get real, when it comes to uh, Social Security and Medicare. Having said that, you know, should you just plan on not ever getting these benefits? No, there will be benefits. It's just a question of whether they will pay at the same level uh, that they're paying at now. Um, so the, the programs will not go away. They can't. I mean, they're just too embedded in our, in our, soci- in our society. But the, um, you know, the level of impact, the level of benefits provided may have to be less down the road. Well, I'm kind of waiting for good news. Apparently there is none. So let me use myself as a guinea pig. All right. So now my situation is a little bit different because I have, I'm retired military. My wife's retired military. So we're drawing already pensions, which I'm sure things could, I never thought we'd have COVID. So I'm sure someday they could say, well, sorry, we ran out of money to pay off, pay your military retirement. But for a person like me, who is 56 right now, that puts me at a place where there's a lot of uncertainty 
when I get to that age. What would your recommendation be for somebody like me, assuming maybe I haven't really thought about retirement planning right now? What would you tell me to do besides buckle down and prepare to work till you die? Oh, that's what I was going to tell you to do. So I guess I don't have that. <laughs> you just are full of good news today, aren't you? <laughs> you took that option off the table. I don't have anything else I can tell you. No, I, uh, well, let's, let's talk about printing more money then. Maybe I can print my own money. Holy cow, man. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, in all, in all candor and all seriousness, um, I think, you know, it's common sense financial advice, right, that, that anyone would get. But you do hear, you do hear this over and over again, that the extent to which you can continue to work for the, for the typical person. I mean, there are people who are you know, wealthy beyond what the, the normal person can envision. But for the, the typical person, um, the one thing that you, you have control over that can give you a more comfortable retirement is extending out the years that you continue to work. Um, and uh, there's actually something built in to Social Security. There's a there's kind of a, it goes it cuts both ways with Social Security. I mentioned earlier about the full retirement age, which is going up to age 67. If you file for benefits prior to your full retirement age, you get a reduced benefit, or as you and I could appreciate, you get a haircut. And so, you know, somebody who files at 62 is is getting you know currently a 30 percent reduction. Uh, in their, excuse me, 25% reduction. And it'll be ultimately a 30% reduction in their benefit. And someone on the other side who elects to delay their filing can accumulate what are called delayed retirement credits. So somebody would have the option of gaining up to four years currently of 8% per year added to their social security through what are called these delayed retirement credits. So somebody who is able, and not everybody can do it, Clearly, but for people who can, working, staying at work until 70 is going to boost your benefit for Social Security purposes quite considerably. You also can delay tapping into your retirement funds. So you're, you're delaying the start of that. And very frankly, because you're older when you're starting, you're going to have less years that you're going to collect because your life expectancy is less at 70 than it was at 65 or 66. So there is a, a fail-safe way to give yourself a more solid footing in retirement, and that is to try to delay uh, taking your retirement for as long as possible. You know, when I think back, we've had two events in the last 20 years that have probably really damaged people's plans. Obviously, we're living in one right now. And then I think back to 2008, 2009, when we had the recession, which I know uh, as I was doing a lot of outplacement work at the time, wiped out a lot of people who were in their 50s, 40s and 50s, where they were having to draw their stuff out because they lost their job. So that's probably, is that contributed, in your opinion, to kind of the, the scary state that we're in right now? Uh, it, it's hard to say. It's an interesting uh, comparison. And they, they clearly are uh, two dramatic events. And of course, those preceded a decade roughly a decade earlier in 2000, 2001, where we had the dot-com bubble burst and we had 9-11 right. kind of in rapid succession. So we do go through these periodic shocks to the financial system, it seems. The, the impact of COVID is a little bit different in one sense in that the, the shock to the financial markets was quite extreme in March and April. 
there was a tremendous amount of volatility. People were very concerned about seeing the retirement savings, you know, wiped out and so forth. When people, we really didn't know how this was going to play out. But that ship has righted itself. And, you know, we've actually seen quite a bit of growth since then in the markets. Uh, so mm-hmm. that has kind of been, you know, unlike 2008, where it was this long, long process coming out of that systemic disruption that had happened. We've recovered, you know, almost instantly, really, in the financial markets. But what's different with COVID is the impact on people on a personal level because of um, health concerns. So older employees are in that high risk category for exposure to COVID. And as a result, there are a fair number of people, I'll use a very clear, simple example, school teachers. You know, if you're a 62-year-old school teacher who maybe was planning to work till you're 65 or whatever, but you're facing now a classroom full of teenagers or kids, maybe you decide that it's better to be safe and take your retirement now. So they're, they're coming out of the workforce prematurely. And there has definitely been an um, observable trend in that direction. Uh, so what I had just said to you about in response to the last question, try to work as long as you can. Uh, I suspect a fair number of people who have found themselves kind of forced into early retirement or a career change, perhaps, because of health concerns related to COVID, that that avenue may not be available to them. And, you know, in the long term, as they go through retirement, they may be finding their their margins are a little narrower and their financial resources are a little thinner because that because of that effect. Yeah, it just seems like if, you know, if you had a plan 20 years ago, it would be very different right now than what I don't think anybody could have ever even imagined what 2020 was going to be. No. <laughs> and so, you know, I think we're, we're adjusting. I mean, when I met you last year, whenever it was, I would have never believed we could have been here. If you'd have told me, I thought you were smoking something, but, <laughs> but yet here we are. Yeah. So, so we've talked a little bit about what individuals need to think about in terms of uh, retirement when they hit this age, but oftentimes people in that category, they don't know what you know, and what you've just shared with me. And so the first thing they do is they go to their HR benefits provider and say, hey, what am I supposed to do? In your experience, do most HR benefits providers understand this whole issue the way you do? Um, Well, in a word, most. So there are some, but I would say most, the answer would be no, um, which is why I do the amount of training that I do. Um, I, I would say that from... The, the benefits at work standpoint. You've got retirement benefits, you've got healthcare benefits. Um, my experience, and I've had many conversations in the last four odd years that I've been doing this, the, the focus and the um, frustration, the concern tends to focus more on the healthcare benefits side of things and the transition that older employees go through if they're still at work at age 65 navigating from the group health plan onto Medicare. There are a lot of very important decisions that need to be made in that process, beginning with understanding the basics of how Medicare works. And they're high stakes decisions in the sense that people at that age typically have some kind of health history. Um, And if you 
if you fumble <laughs> along the way uh, and we have a gap in coverage because that form wasn't properly committed, you know, completed and submitted on time. And that person happens to have a heart attack at that time. You know, you, you mm. can have a very serious situation. So that's where the the um, the degree of uncertainty and the the interest in, in what I do tends to be most acute. It's less so with Social Security. Um, Social Security, in comparison to Medicare, is fairly simple, relatively. Um, there are just a couple of important factors to, to navigate through. The first is, at what age do you want to file for benefits? And that decision is often informed by whether they're planning to keep working and to what age. Uh, there's this thing called the annual earnings test for people that take their Social Security prior to their full retirement age, which again, currently is 66 going to be moving out to 67. If you're still working and you've taken early social security prior to your full retirement age, there's a cap on how much you can earn without having benefits withheld. It's called the annual earnings test. And so that's an important issue. And then the other important issue on social security is uh, understanding benefits by marriage. Uh, any benefits that would be going to your spouse or your ex-spouse, you know, your, your divorce, there are benefits that, that still are potentially payable. And that can have an impact on when people decide to file. But beyond that, Social Security is pretty easy. Medicare is, is much, more, um, much more of a challenge, including even just getting onto Medicare. The enrollment process is very arcane and, and um, doesn't lend itself to – it's not user-friendly. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> creates lots of problems okay. and confusion. So the bottom line is if somebody is inching toward that age, they're going to want to go to their HR benefits provider. And hopefully that person knows enough about that to get them steered in the right direction. Because you that's a pretty scary thought to have that gap in coverage. And then at that age, you end up having a heart attack or something. So, so then, so your role, Tom, is that you come alongside HR professionals and benefit specialists and you train them on how to do this, right? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's half okay. of what I do. The, the other part is the, the presentations that go directly to the employees where I'm kind of giving them some consumer level guidance. But then the other part of what I do is training those HR and benefits professionals to give them the advanced knowledge, to, to guide them through the specifics. These are the forms. These are the timetables. These are the responsibilities. This is how you do it. Uh, that's the other part of what I do. Okay. Well, I can tell you that as just a podcast host right now, you've certainly raised my level of awareness and certainly ratcheted up my level of fear. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but, but in a way, I think it's good though, Tom, because if you're listening to this today, I, I hope that you understand as, a, as an HR professional, as a benefit specialist, the amount of responsibility that you have. And it sounds to me like you don't have to go it alone. So Tom, for my audience who's listening today, how can they get a hold of you to get this Turning 65 workshop, to get you to help them better communicate this stuff, and maybe even to be able to speak to employees that are reaching that age? How can we reach you to be able to work with you? Pretty simple. Uh, my website is turning65workshop.com. And the 65 are the numerals six and five. So turning65workshop.com. Uh, you'll find a lot of information there on the programs that I offer. You can also just um, shoot me an email through the website and I'd be happy to, to respond to you. Um, it also has a list, by the way, of my um, HR training webinars that I do. 
which, by the way, I should I should point out are approved for SHRM and HRCI and World at Work uh, recertification credits. So you can earn credits uh, through these webinars, and uh, you can you can get that part of it. Um, the other thing is, I'm happy to to connect with you on LinkedIn. You can either follow me. Uh, you can go to LinkedIn, and I I can be found at Tom Dash Wright W R I G H T dash employee dash learning. So Tom Wright employee learning with the dashes in their proper places on LinkedIn. And uh, feel free to send me a connection request or you can just follow me and you can get information that way as well. Excellent. Well, Tom, I appreciate you taking time to uh, share this information. And, and hopefully if you're listening to this today, you, you realize what a responsibility you have. I would strongly encourage you to reach out to Tom. Again, that's turning65workshop.com. Tom, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. It's been great, Mac. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.